This podcast series is supported by members at Patreon. If you want to support this podcast series, head to patreon.com forward slash Cascadian Beer. Inspiration can come from many different places. Some of our best ideas don't take shape right away, but can take years to develop. Welcome to the Cascadian Beer Podcast. My name's Aaron, and I'm a Cascadian. I have a background in radio and television broadcasting. I'm a music producer, and have a passion for beer. I don't consider myself to be an expert in beer by any means, but I do enjoy and respect the craft and the passion of these brewmasters. I want to learn from these pioneers on what sets them apart from the rest, and why they choose to call Cascadia their home. Cascadia is a bioregion in the Pacific Northwest on the North American continent. It is made up of the U.S. states of Washington and Oregon, as well as the Canadian province of British Columbia. In this podcast series, I'll be profiling the unique breweries of Cascadia, a region that has a strong presence on the international beer scene. In this episode, I'm in the greater Vancouver area, in the city of Burnaby. Just off the SkyTrain stop at Production Way is a brewery making beers you wouldn't really expect in this area. Started in 2014, Daggerad Brewing specializes in making Belgian-inspired beers. I'm Ben Coley, and I'm um, the owner and uh, head brewer of Daggerad Brewing. Where does the name come from? It's named after a square in Antwerp. Years ago, I was uh, I was backpacking in Southeast Asia, and I met a couple of Belgians who I really hit it off with. Uh, really enjoyed their uh, their company and a great sense of humor. And anyway, I went to went to Belgium a number of times to visit them. And uh, in their neighborhood of Antwerp, there's a, a square called the Daggerad Platz, which was uh, just one of the nicest places in the world I've ever had a beer. It's, uh, you know, got a little playground in the middle of it and a basketball court and, and all around uh, three sides of it. It's just cafe tables and uh, people drinking these amazing beers. And um, I started drinking those beers in Belgium and really started exploring and uh, loved them. Came home and there was great beer here, but, you know, there's a lot of IPAs and people were getting into, into their barrel-aged imperial stouts and what have you. And I, I like those beers, but I really missed what I was having in Belgium. I really missed the... This the complexity and the variety of those beers. And uh, yeah, um, started home brewing and took a step at a time and uh, eventually, uh, you know, just got into brewing my own Belgian style beers and convinced myself I could do it on a commercial scale. And here we are today. Right. So were you home brewing before that trip to Southeast Asia? No, no, that was a lot of years ago. This is a, this is a process of years and, and visiting Belgium on multiple occasions over, over the course of years and, and then picking up brewing. started brewing with, uh, with a few friends in my backyard. You know, there, was, there was four of us brewing, uh, brewing batches of beer together. None of us knew what we were doing. We, uh, we tended to drink more beer than we actually brewed on any given brew session. I was the one that became obsessed, got, uh, got crazy obsessive over the details and, and gradually lost one brewing partner and then another and then another. And then it was me alone over my kettle in the shivering in November uh, in the rain uh, brewing beer. Was there any particular style of Belgian beer that really stood out for you that you're like, I need to make this because I can't find it? back home well yeah i mean it's not so much that you can't find the belgian beers here a lot of uh, a lot of them are imported but uh you know you can't find them everywhere and they're they're a little bit pricey and sometimes they're not super fresh 
but uh, yeah, my my favorite sort of category of Belgian beers are uh, are uh, blonde ales, and I don't I don't mean like Leffe blonde. I mean like La or uh, yeah La Chouf or uh, Saxo by Brasserie Caracol. These uh, he's kind of a little bit drier than Leffe, uh, maybe a little bit more alcohol, often spiced, a lot of uh, a lot of layered flavors, and uh, yeah, when I was homebrewing, I. Uh, uh, really lucked out with one recipe I did and, and brewed this, this Belgian blonde. And uh, it's kind of half the reason I opened the brewery is to brew Daggerad blonde. Right. So what is the size of your system here? Ten barrel system. It's basically a, an old uh, brew pub system. It's not, not really meant to, to have as much beer rammed through it as we're ramming through it at the moment. So ten barrels is, uh, you know, it's 11 and a half hectoliters or something like that. And we, uh, we brew two batches to a tank. Uh, and we've got five double batch uh, fermenters, and that's it's really what we're sweating right now. We're brewing every drop of beer we can at the moment. Did you start off at this size, or have you expanded since you first opened? Um, yeah, we've been expanding, uh, you know, in in different ways. We started off with only three fermenters, but that uh, really narrowed the possibilities of what we could brew. Stepped it up to to five. We've got two more sitting uh, next door, uh, unused, obviously, but we can't really, uh, really use them until we complete the, the enormous renovation that we're doing right now. <laughs> How is that renovation going? Slowly. I mean, it always goes slowly. It's always harder to get the permits, the building permits and the planning approval from the city than you'd ever imagine it would be. Everything is more expensive than it looks like it's going to be, but it's coming along right now. They're putting uh, garage doors on our new warm room and our new cold room next door. Great. So the size of your tasting room, it's not that big. How many, how many seats are in there? Uh, well, I guess five, something like that, maybe four. I don't know. It's, uh, we're building a new tasting lounge next door. We've got, uh, we've got approval from, uh, from the liquor board, uh, and we're, we're, we're working on the city. Things look positive, but we're, uh, it's just taking a bit of time. But we're, we're going to have a 40-seat a tasting lounge in the space next door. So that'll really let us uh, get some bums in seats and, uh, and start selling some beer. Did you start in this location or did you move here? No, we started here. We started here with this one bay and we, uh, we just gradually, well, actually pretty quickly grew out of it. We rented another space next door that we used for storage. Then we tore all that apart to, uh, to do this renovation and rented a third space next door to it for, uh, for storage. Uh, you start bottling beer and... It just takes up a lot of room. You need to have a lot of empty bottles and a lot of full ones. And it just, uh, yeah, it eats space, which is it's kind of nice to be out in a, uh, a little bit lower rent location like Burnaby. Once you opened your doors, how long did it take you to get some regular customers? I mean, do you have regular customers given the size of your tasting room? We didn't uh, didn't really open the tasting room immediately. We, uh, we started brewing and started selling into stores and bars first. The tasting room was never my first love. You know, I wanted to brew bottle-conditioned beer just like the Belgians do, and, uh, you know, that's that's what I was looking for. And then, you know, people were going to be asking me to fill growlers. I didn't want to do that, you know. But, um, yeah, it turns out that uh, tasting room is a really good idea. You, uh, it's a great way to sell beer. Um, cut out the middleman, make a little bit more money for the brewery while still offering really reasonable prices to, to customers. Um, but, yes, we do have regulars. We have, a, we have a good core of regulars that come here on a regular basis. You know, it's uh, it's good. Uh, you you make friends with them, and uh, yeah, you spend half the time in there talking about beer and what's coming next, and how did you like that last one, and so forth. And it actually it gives us a bit of a sounding board, so we can actually talk to our customers directly and and find out how people are liking the beer. And what has been the reaction of other people in the local beer community, like other brewers, of what you're doing? Because you are pretty different to what everybody else is doing, because you're doing a special Belgian style than 
not that West Coast hoppy. Yeah, I mean, other brewers. It's a really, it's a really great community around here. I mean, I, I, I've met people as my competitors, and I, I you know, I, I count them as personal friends now. I mean, the anytime anything goes wrong in the brewery, the first thing I do is is call one of my competitors and ask them, you know, for help or advice or, or whatever. You know, if you're short ingredients, if you're if you're just short on knowledge, if you're just totally screwed and have no idea what to do next. When you walked in, there was a, uh, a barrel racking arm that uh, was lying on the table. Well, I just, just got back from Steel and Oak to borrow that. You know, I, you know, if I need a bag of grain, I go over the hill to Yellow Dog. If I, if I don't know what the hell I'm doing uh, in the brewery, I call Graham With at uh, Parallel 49. I call Ian Hill. I call loads of other people. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's just a really, really tight community that way. It's a great, great industry to work in right now. With your so-called competitors have you done any collaboration brews with any of them yeah we've done a, a few we did uh did a pair of collaboration brews with uh with uh, brass neck we get along really well with conrad over there he's a really creative brewer and uh that's the kind of stuff i like to do so we we did a home and away with them uh we uh we brewed a beer at theirs and then they came and brewed uh, a beer with us which was called uncomfortable silence and it was it was one of the most genuine collaborations that uh that are done i mean a lot of the times a collaboration consists of two brewers you know have a couple beers together talk about a beer they swap a few emails they talk about recipes and then one brewer goes over to the other uh, brewery and gets drunk uh and that's exactly what i did when i did a parallel or a collaboration with parallel 49 i just went over and got drunk with graham well one of his uh one of his brewers actually made the beer um, with uncomfortable silence, we, uh, we, we took on this big complex project and, uh, it was an eight and a half, nine percent alcohol, uh, Belgian brown ale that we, uh, we fermented and then we put it on cherries and got all the cherry sugars to ferment out and then put it on Britannomyces. And, uh, my collaborator, Conrad Moser at, uh, at uh, Brassneck actually sourced the cherries for us. He found the cherries. He went and propagated the bread that we were going to pitch. Uh, he came over here with a, uh, with a, an immersion blender that was the size of a, an outboard motor. Uh, Conrad's been in the brewing business for, I don't know, 15 or 17 or 18 years or something like that. And he's got just a whole stable of tricks and, uh, and cool equipment and stuff like that. And so anyway, yeah, he has and naturally he has an immersion blender. That's just huge, big enough. You can stick it down into a bucket and blend the whole bucket of cherries. So he, he came over here with his cherries and his, uh, his immersion blender and blended all the cherries and we got him into the fermenter. And, uh, anyway, yeah, it was, uh, it was a lot of work, but, uh, that's one of the best beers we've made in my opinion. It was, uh, it was a beauty. You think you can make it again? Oh shit, no. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I could make something else that might be, you know, as good or better. But you know, that exact beer, I, uh, I don't know. That's uh, a lot of it is just too dependent on on biological processes that I'm not in control of. Uh, the Brett fermentation, but also just the the crop of cherries. You know, any fruit beer that's that's made with real fruit isn't necessarily going to be the same beer from year to year. What is the greatest challenge with working with Brett? Because a lot of your beers do feature brett in, in them to some extent right? we actually don't do too much brett we huh. uh we've done that beer and i mean what i'm worried about is uh is sanitation and contaminating the rest of my beers and that's what most brewers will tell you is the the big worry the big concern about brewing with brett i don't really mind getting it into my tanks because the tanks you can clean but i'd never want to run it through my bottler so when we bottled uncomfortable silence we uh uh mitch uh the other brewer here at Daggerad built this uh basically a homebrew uh manual bottle filler 
uh, you know, just built it out of, out of odds and ends and, uh, and a couple of beer guns. And uh, we put in a couple of sessions of like six to eight hours length to actually bottle that entire tank. There's four of us just like staring at this stupid manual bottle filler. But I got to put Brett in my manual bottle filler rather than my super expensive bottling machine that uh, that we depend on for our livelihood. You know, mm-hmm. a beer, a brew like Uncomfortable Silence is super fun, but that's not what pays the bills. What pays the bills is actually being able to bottle blonde and not and have it, you know, be consistent, not full of Brett. So, you know, it's an existential crisis to a brewery to get an infection like that in uh, in your bottling machine potentially especially with bottle conditioned beer because we don't you know the beer isn't you know immediately chilled which would inhibit brett it is kept warm you add sugar to it you keep it warm you want a fermentation to go off so if you get brett in that you're dead you're you have a brett beer you're bottling a lot and where's your reach where do you send it to we get around the province pretty well i mean we're not in every store outside of vancouver but we we sell a lot of beer in in uh, the lower mainland and in uh, in victoria but we have stores sort of all over the province, and we um, we also have a, another company marketing our beer in Alberta for us right now, uh, which is pretty important to me. I grew up in Alberta, uh, well, born and, and grew up in Alberta. Uh, I've been out here for more than 10 years, but um, I really wanted to uh, to send beer home. I also had a lot of friends and family asking, you know, when, when are you going to get your beer here? When are you going to get your beer here? When you go back to visit, you're tired of filling a suitcase, right? Yeah, so, right. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. and we're tired of, of finding various ways to smuggle it to Alberta. It was just better to be legit and send it over the border. <laughs> right. So uh, where, do you, where do you go from here? Well, the current expansion is uh, it's immediately going to expand our brewing capacity by 40%. We also just, just have uh, have set ourselves up for more storage and more warm room space for re-fermentation. So we'll just be able to make more beer. Ultimately, in our current space, we'll we'll top out at about twice what we're brewing right now, and at that point, we'll uh, we'll have a reevaluation. And uh, I th- think, I hope that that's going to be it. I, I hope that that's going to be the end of uh, end of growth, and we're just going to remain this small specialty brewery. What matters is that we uh, you know we make enough money that everybody can get a decent paycheck, that I can pay back my investors, and that uh, you know live a comfortable life. And as long as the brewery is still fun to run at that scale, and it's uh, I'm still having a good time and not not uh, overworking myself too badly. Then then that's it. We'll stay at that scale. How big is your team? I always have to think about that. We have a lot of part time people who uh, mostly who work in our tasting room, but I, I guess there's 14 of us right now. Who uh, in the local community is inspiring you at the moment with what they're making? Well, there's a lot of great breweries right now. I mean, the quality of beer in uh, in Vancouver has just gone through the roof over the last uh, last few years. I mean, I mentioned uh, I mentioned Brassneck before. I mean, uh, as a creative brewery, as a brewery that's really putting out uh, innovative stuff, yeah, Brassneck's pretty hard to beat. You know, I just got back from uh, my friends at Steel and Oak, who are are doing a, some some like in- innovative takes on German brews, which are have a have an authenticity to them that you often don't get in 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 people who are just kind of less skilled in that style or less schooled in that style. I meant to say. I don't know. I'm just uh, kind of drawing a blank here for specific examples. There are just so many good beers coming out of the market right now. Both, you know, the the innovative weirdo oddball stuff and also just just solid regular beers. I mean, I, I'm always the, the first one to to tout uh, Dave Vargas Pale Ale. My uh, my buddy at 33 Acres uh, is making one of the best pale ales in the province, in my uh, opinion. And uh, and I am a huge fan of just standard styles. I mean, in spite of the fact that I'm a guy who is always brewing uh, innovative and, and weird and off the offbeat kind of stuff, 
that you can't beat just a, a really solid pale ale, and uh, and his is. What's your favorite beer that you make to pair with your favorite food? Well, uh, oh man, well, my favorite beer uh, changes from week to week. I uh, I go through moods. <laughs> um, lately, I've really been uh, been digging my uh, my blonde ale in bottles. Uh, the bottle condition stuff is just. It's got something special that the uh, the draft version doesn't really have, and that beer is uh, a world class beer for cheese. It's uh, like a, a nice, uh, nice hard aged cheese with that beer. It can be just incredible. Also, some of the more funky, a little bit softer, like washed rind cheeses can uh, uh, can just be incredible. You get a little bit of a floral flavor from the uh, the cheese, and it really plays off the hops in that beer. Sounds like you need to do a collaboration with a cheesemaker and do a cheese wash with the blonde. Oh. <laughs> Uh, and if anybody was wanting to go down this path themselves of opening up their own place and getting weird beers into bottles, uh, what, what advice could you give them? Don't do it for money. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's not, it's not an easy business. It is, uh, it's not an easy way to make money. This is not a, a gold rush kind of a situation, especially doing the kind of stuff that I'm doing. Uh, it takes a long time to build awareness. It takes a long time to uh, establish credibility and have people trust that you, you know, actually are able to brew the things that you're claiming to brew. Um, but, you know, if you love it, there's nothing I could do to stop you. What's the greatest uh, reward for you at the end of the day when you're done brewing? Well, I mean, getting off a shift of brewing, uh, especially on a hot summer day where uh, you're hoeing out 60 degree steaming mash uh, by hand because we everything here is super manual and you're just soaked with sweat and then just being able to sit down in my own tasting room and have a nice cold burnabarian at the end of the day that's the reward for all of it and if uh, somebody's never been here before uh, what's one thing you would like them to take away with them of their experience of coming to your tasting room and your beer in general if they've never tried it before i don't know i mean I, i'm hoping what uh, what all of this uh, projects is just our love of beer and our love of the craft yeah, I mean, my uh, my tasting room staff aren't uh, aren't hired on the basis of looks or anything else other than just their their absolute uh, knowledge and their uh, their passion for our beer. And I'm I'm thinking they're doing a really good job of projecting that to people and uh, and actually just uh, just show that this is really about the beer. It's not about the branding. It's not about anything else. It's about that experience of taking that first sip, the liquid in your glass. You know. Have you? Uh gotten any awards for any of your styles that you've done yeah we've done pretty well in the uh, uh in brewing awards um we you know submit beers to a lot of awards and usually we come away with something oftentimes it's not the beer we were expecting to win that wins but we've uh we've had gold medals in both the canadian brewing award and the bc beer, uh, beer awards and uh yeah the bc beer awards are coming up again and we're uh, we're quite excited about the number that we're submitting this year so uh Hopefully, hopefully something's going to stick for us. Have you gone into direct competition with any beers from Belgium? Um, I guess there was the uh, the Van Mag International Brewing Awards. Uh, our Amber took second in that. Uh, I don't know exactly what beers were submitted, but uh, there were Belgian beers submitted in that category. All right. That feels pretty good. <laughs> that feels great. Yeah. yeah. Oh, what I'd love to hear a, a few times we've had uh, we've had Belgians come to our uh, our tasting room. Uh, a lot of expats living in Vancouver, and uh, it's just one of the nicest things I can hear from them is uh, is to tell them to tell me that the beer is good, that it's the real thing, that uh, that it reminds them of home. Great. Well, thank you so much. All right. You're welcome. Big thanks to Ben for taking time out of his busy summer brewing schedule to chat with me. 
Each of the beers from Daggerad I've had have all been fantastic, but would really recommend the Blonde and the DeWitty. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Cascadian Beer Podcast. If you want to stay up to date with new releases of the podcast or want to support this independently produced series, you can do so at Patreon by going to patreon.com forward slash Cascadian Beer. Also, if you enjoyed the program, uh, we'd really appreciate it if you give us a review on iTunes. That really helps us get this podcast series into as many ears as possible. You can also find us on Overcast and Stitcher, and you can rate us there as well. Thanks so much again for listening. Until next time, remember, support your local.